Do you see them? Yes! That boy needs therapy. Psychosomatic. That boy needs therapy. Talents. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of Talcast. We are supported by no one. We have no sponsors. Hopefully that changes soon. Um, I started this podcast as a way to talk about art, music, literature, self-expression with myself and my friends. And let's just jump right into it. All right. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the thematic elements of a song that I wrote and what inspired this particular recording. The song was produced by Nate Pfeiffer and mixed and mastered at June Audio by Scott Wiley. Um, Just a trigger warning, there's a little bit of discussion about childhood bullying and trauma because that is kind of the inspiration behind this particular song. So if that freaks you out, you might want to abort this mission, but subscribe because some of the episodes are going to be more fun and lighthearted. This one's a little bit intense, so you've been warned. Lost the war. There's nothing I hate more in this world than a bully. I held one hand across my bleeding face. The other was blindly clutching the shoulder of my new friend Josh Garner, who was dragging me to the nurse's office. I had winced my eyes tightly closed after dripping blood obscured my vision, but I could hear the horrified screams of the other kids on the blacktop as we passed. Upon arrival, I was pushed into a chair and handed a big rag for my face and with my head in my hands, I could feel steel, cool scissors on my chest and back, cutting my shirt wide open. Get me a camera, someone yelled, after I had sopped up enough blood. I opened my eyes to see the principal and vice principal talking about collecting evidence for a potential lawsuit, while someone else snapped photos of the gory mess that was me. What a spectacle I must have been. Josh was in the corner recounting the day's events at light speed to another authority figure who was scribbling down notes furiously. Just a few minutes earlier, I was sitting outside eating lunch from a brown paper bag, commiserating about classes with my air quotes friends. It was the beginning of my freshman year in high school. I was shorter than most of the kids my age. Lucky for me, my growth spurt would come just before graduation. I stood not so proudly at five feet two inches and only a few pounds lighter than I am today. As often as weather would permit, I wore my favorite hoodie to obscure my baby fat and inserted myself awkwardly into the social hellscape that is early adolescent public school. I'd quite unintentionally flown under the radar of any freshman female, so by default my social circle consisted of the boys from my youth group at church. Ages and grades at our lunch table varied as much as our interests, but we all had one thing in common. We didn't want to be seen eating alone. So there we were. One of the boys got a lot of attention. He was a rebel and a stoner, three years older than me, with height and muscles to prove it. Under his baseball cap, his skin was gray and faded, and he often wore an uncanny smirk while he guided our clan's group energy. It was clear he reveled in his top-of-the-food-chain status, and he knew how to throw his weight around. He was a loose cannon and a tight-fisted ringleader. A few Sundays earlier, he gave me quite the pummeling at church when I refused to let him cut in front of me in the food line. I escaped with a few minor bruises and hid in my mom's car to cry until church got out. I cried a lot that year. I was growing up, and I could feel the world becoming darker and scarier around me. You've got to develop a thicker skin, Tal, my parents would often lecture me. 
Underneath my lucky hoodie and short, soft exterior, I was an overly sensitive kid, craving acceptance amidst the darkness and confusion of an emerging worldview. To top it off, I was also fiercely competitive and quick to anger, a combination that proved lethal during this particular high school lunch hour. That day, our ringleader sat confidently atop the lunch table while we all ate, his feet resting on the seat next to mine. Near our table was a big hedge. Everyone was careful not to walk next to the planter because beneath the hedge's green leaves, it was covered in two-inch thorns that drew blood with even the slightest brush of the hand. He sat next to me and plucked a long, sturdy branch from the hedge and began meticulously removing the leaves. He admired the branch, twirling it in his hand and waving it in the air while we all stared. Then, suddenly he poked the tip of his finger on the thorn and smirked when a little bead of blood appeared. He smeared the blood on the, le- on the lunch table and cackled. The other boys laughed while I tried not to look. I fainted at the sight of blood, so I was trying to avoid getting queasy. Apparently upset that I wasn't amazed at his fearless feat of self-harm like the other boys, he yelled at me to look and waved his hand in my face. What's wrong, little Tal? He said. Shut up, man. I whispered. His smirk suddenly disappeared. What'd you say to me, bitch? He retorted. I was silent. Give me your lunch, he yelled. He reached out to grab my brown paper bag, but I jumped from the table and clutched it close to my side with one arm. Chubby little Tal was not about to let anyone get in front of his ding-dongs and Capri Sun. He stood up too and lunged in another attempt to steal it from me. In an act of desperation, I used my free hand to flick the bill on his baseball cap hoping he would reach down to grab it and I could make my getaway. His hat fell to the pavement, but unfortunately, he didn't reach to pick it up. Instead, he grabbed the base of the big, thorny hedge branch, which was now leaf-free and menacing-looking. To my horror, he raised it high above his head like a baseball bat, and with fury, he beat me across the side of my face. The thorn sunk into my nose, cheek, and forehead. As I recoiled in pain in the opposite direction, he cocked back and cracked the branch across the other side of my head. He repeated the process three or four times before I could get a word in edgewise. I screamed, and the last thing I saw before blood welled up in my eyes was everyone's horrified expressions and his angry face grimacing back at mine. A few weeks later, when I'd healed up and returned to school, I expected some form of retribution. To my surprise, he was only suspended for a day, and his parents lobbied the school district saying he was having a rough week when he attacked me. A few people asked about what happened, but I watched as the world and my friends largely moved on, most of them siding with my bully instead of me. For the rest of the year, I mostly ate by myself and avoided people in general, but every day I thought about what happened, and every day I walked by the trail of bloodstains in the asphalt where Josh rushed me to the nurse's office. I couldn't explain what, but something inside me had changed. I was so scared of the world around me now. I looked at people differently. Even as I would grow up to become a guitar-slinging rock star, I still felt small. I remember nights where images of the bully's face and the scenario would play over and over in my head. For years I would lie awake while hot tears ran down my face and my anger brought my blood to a steady, sleepless boil. 
Even though girls and guitars and successes and happiness emerged in my life as the years went by, I still saw the world through the blood-filled eyes of a scared, chubby freshman who got the beating of his life. My line of defense became clear. As I grew, I became tougher, more thick-skinned, and I never backed down from a fight. Other rejections were just fuel for my work ethic, reasons to plow forward and become somebody. I carried around a lot of anger and resentment for my enemies, even hate at times. I even hated myself when I would fail. I had to be the best, and to protect myself. A tighter grip meant a tougher person, that's what I thought. But my newfound grit and toughness had some unintentional side effects. As my fear and pain calloused over, so did my capacity for feeling and joy. I filled my emptiness with rage, determination, and lots of caffeine. Sometimes there wasn't too much left over room for love. Fast forward to 2019, I was in pre-production for what would become Kill Me Slower, my debut solo EP. Since this was the first record I would release as a solo artist, I wanted to make sure I dug deep and got as personal and vulnerable as possible. While I was pondering possible thematic lyrical elements, I texted my brother. He was in the middle of his pediatric medical residency in New York City, and he was struggling with long hours, lack of sleep, not to mention the emotional toll that the job of taking care of sick kids takes on you. He texted me one day, I have an idea for a song. Residency has been so hard for so long. It's taken a toll on me and my family. But a few months ago, I had a dream. In the dream, something horrible happened to one of the kids in the hospital. I was so sad about it, and I cried and cried. All the feelings moved through me in some sort of torrential downpour. But when I woke up, I felt so much better. Why don't you write a song about that? This small conversation inspired me to write a song about my experience getting the snot beat out of me all those years ago. Since I could speak metaphorically, it made it easier to open up. It was a fight I was still having in my mind. Anger and frustration and rejection have a way of building up and attacking us long after the outward pain ends. What I learned from my brother's dream was that maybe it's important to leave space for feelings to move through you to heal. Maybe it's okay to be a loser sometimes and not want to fight back. Maybe it is really healthier to let things go. I wrote Lost the War on the piano, an instrument I stopped studying in my childhood. In a way, that brought me back to a younger, more vulnerable time. But it also gave me a lot of hope. Hope for a life without pain and a lot more love. When I got the mix back from my producer, I cried when I heard it. Happy tears this time, though. So here's Lost the War. Enjoy. Ground. 
suddenly I woke and I saw sunlight on the ceiling. So tell my friends that I've lost the war. You cut me down and now I wanna fall. Bleeding out, I bless the ground and consecrate the dust for my return. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Hope you liked it. And um, you can subscribe to this channel and my other social media channels at Tal Haslam, T-A-L-H-A-S-L-A-M. My music's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, whatever, wherever you listen to your music. And I love you. <sighs> Bye.